warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! How much you selling that weed for, old man? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 126 of the Bone Bad Show. This is Steve. This is Gord. How's it going, man? Well, I got the lava lamp all lit up. <laughs> I'm in a mood. 
Well, I'm happy, in the mood to podcast. Happy New Year, man. Oh, wow. Is that our first podcast? Yeah, it is. It's our first podcast of 2015. And uh, we're going to do it in high style. Yeah? How high? <laughs> Very high. All the way high? So this is going to be, I guess you could call it our weed You can call it that. Now, I was thinking about this, and ever since we were little kids, we've been sort <laughs> we of were stoned. surrounded no. by marijuana culture, right? Indeed. I mean, you know. Growing up in Northern California, we were surrounded by marijuana. Yeah. Like, literally surrounded yes. by Black plants. Sabbath and Sweet Leaf and, you know, bands we've had on the show. We've had 60 Watt Shaman, Butthole Surfers, Super Suckers, a ton of bands that were weed-friendly. So one of my favorite movies, Dazed and Confused. I mean, there's even The Hobbit, man. You're surrounded by pipe weed. That's right. They were definitely smoking and getting high in The Hobbit. We both used to work at Taco Bell, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> And just suddenly now, we're in this brave new world where marijuana is legal in the state of Washington, uh, also in the state of Colorado, uh, just got voted in in Oregon, correct? Yeah, it did. I can't imagine California is too far behind. I don't know. California has the ability to ass up anything. But I, I would think, but maybe not, because essentially anyone that wants to buy marijuana, as long as they're an adult, can do so legally here. Mm. You just have to go to a bullshit doctor first and get some note <laughs> right and then carry around the note in your wallet well what we're going to do tonight is take a thoughtful look at herb first off joining us on the show tonight is a friend of ours from high school who is one of the principals in the biggest marijuana smoke shop in the state of washington so uh, he'll be joining us in a little bit uh, additionally music wise you're listening to him now you're soaking in him colorado cephalic carnage another band who is a uh, very Green friendly. Uh, the first band I ever knew, Gord, who had a vaporizer with their logo on it that they sell. That's amazing. Sorry, Wait, uh, that's the first band? Sorry, you I know mean, of other bands? Yeah, that actually. A- Skeleton Witch also has a vaporizer that they sell. So I think that's kind of normal amongst the stony bands these days. It wouldn't surprise me if your Electric Wizards or even Clutch might. Huh. I had no idea. But before we get to all that good stuff, why don't we talk a little bit about. The Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival 2015. We should do that. We should do that a lot. And we should do it every show between now and then. And we probably will. Almost certainly will. So, uh, of course, our Kickstarter funded uh, came in at, I think, uh, 51.51. We met our goal and exceeded our goal, thus guaranteeing our return to Central Cinema on April 25th. Now, we were supposed to get to, I think, uh, 6500 bucks. To get Pine Box Boys up here from San Francisco. And uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to pull that off. But we've spoken to the Pine Box Boys and through their own sheer awesomeness and generosity, have agreed to come to Seattle for what we can pay them. And uh, it's going to be freaking awesome, man. It is going to be freaking awesome. It's like getting a premium concert without paying the premium price which is so very sweet lester t raw's graveside quartet will be playing a short set as well as a full set from the pine box boys i am so excited i mean i remember back you know when we first had pine box boys on the show we cut gordon and i were just sort of brainstorming like man well wouldn't it be so cool if we could have them that would they would be the perfect band for a comedy horror film festival And now it's going to happen. This is kind of a dream come true amongst many. I mean, you know, having Beefy and Kirby Crackle last year was amazing. And, like, how do you top that? This is going to be spectacular, man. This is how to top that. 
Additionally, we have hired our artist, Robert Paul Nixon, a.k.a. Nix, who was suggested Nix. to us by none other than Nick the Hat Gucker, who did our poster the last two years. A fantastic suggestion. We love Nix's art, and we cannot wait to see his take on our two-headed skeleton mascot. That is going to be so awesome, dude. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I've seen his other work. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this time. We're, we're hoping for something that's so iconic that you're, you're just going to take one glance at the poster and go, hey, I know what that is. Comedy horrors. Film yeah, I, I have that. a feeling if you, a skeleton. if you bought a hoodie or say an enormous package, you're going to say, Jesus, fuck! You are. When you see how awesome the whole thing is that we've provided for you. <sighs> Why? Because speaking, we love Speaking you. of which, yeah. at least two people are getting original art. I've been working on the original art for you. Yeah, I hope I'm one of them. The art is sweet. <laughs> you're not. I'm already freaking angling for that shit. You know what? You're going to get like a bag with a cut out cereal box in it, and I'm going to have a sweet bone bat card on my wall. That's how that's going to work. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. No. You'll never that's even not know. For you. You'll be like taking your nap or whatever it is you do in the middle of I the afternoon, that. and I'll totally steal it. <laughs> yeah. Then again, maybe we can sell cereal boxes as high-end art from Gord. Whatever. Whatever maybe. it takes. Anyway. So, uh, right around February 1st, the remaining tickets will go on sale. So, keep an eye out over at our uh, film festival website. Also, you can follow us uh, on the Facebook event page. That's another place to see when the tickets go on sale. So, uh, I think currently we are about 75% sold out. Only 25%. Tickets are not officially on sale, and we're 75% sold out. Yeah, yeah. The Kickstarter folks came in in a big, bad way. And bought a ton of tickets, so you really don't want to mess around once tickets go on sale. Uh, additionally, uh, I don't want to say too much about our sponsors, who they are, but a third bone battle is in the works for March. So if you're oh. into the gaming, keep an eye here as well for news about a awesome gaming afternoon. It's going to be fun. Excellent. So, dude. Dude. What pisses you off? I'll tell you what pisses me off. This evening's podcast may sound a little bit static, a little bit less high fidelity than it normally is, and that's because I have been having all kinds of misadventures with a certain internet and telephone provider that's name rhymes with hate ENT and their hate ENT spewniverse. I swear to God, they, they hit me up like over and over and over saying, look, we want to come out to your place of business, to your home, which is one of the same, and we're going to do this upgrade for you. Your bill's going to go down, your internet speed's going to go up, your telephone service is going to be the same, and all we do, we're going to come out, switch out one little box, nothing will change. Nothing will change, nothing will change. I won't have to do anything different. No, painless. So that's happening. I say, all right. Come on out. Do it. Then I start getting calls from them going, oh, hey, man, I don't know why you've canceled your service with us, but we'd really like to have you come back. <laughs> I'm like, Wait, no, that's that's not at all. Oh, really? Well, maybe we can schedule an appointment. Then I get like three or four different layers of people calling me trying to schedule appointments. I'm like, I live and work at the same place. Somebody show up at some point. I'll be here. Switch out your magic box. And we'll all move on with our lives. Right. Yeah, sure. 
So, eventually, a service prevention specialist shows up. <laughs> okay. And he switches out the magic box. He is so completely and utterly confused by the wires in my house and on my house that he managed to, to just take everything offline. They must got, have been like, hardwired. <laughs> no, I'm not wired at all. I'm unwired. <laughs> so I got no home phone. I got no home internet. I got no work phone, no work internet. And he's like, da-da! <laughs> oh. Now, long story short, by the time that guy left, he'd hooked everything back up the way it was supposed to be, and it appeared that I once again had internet and uh, and telephone to my office. <laughs> what uh, you need. Yeah, what you need. Turns out, though, funny thing, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so... The next day, I try to do things like call my voicemail. Nope, can't do that. Try to call AT&T. Can't do that. Turns out any AT&T number, like within the AT&T empire, my phone can no longer connect to. <laughs> Which even says on the phone AT&T. Nice. Yeah, so I had to use my Verizon cell phone to call them and get them to come back out. So they go threw everything out. They finally, like, give me a different magic box and test everything out. Once again, I think that everything's fine. They leave. That evening, no! You don't have any more internet again. <laughs> Swear to Christ. You but think they're you all got like... it in some places. Some some of the devices have internet. Things like the Xbox? Yes. Nah, no internet for that. <laughs> Why would you need it? No. And I remembered last time, like way back in the day, they had to do all kinds of workarounds. I'm like, I'm not bringing them out to do another workaround. Yeah. I, I got one of those, get your internet through the electrical outlet in your house, and I plugged one in, in there, and I plugged another end in there, my Xbox, and screw it. I don't need wireless. I got wires. Nice. Good job, man. Why, thank you. But that's why, A, I'm pissed off, and B, our podcast might sound kind of shitty. Well, you should have bought a PlayStation, because then you wouldn't need internet anyway. That's right. I was going to buy a PlayStation, but instead I found out it was cheaper just to simply buy a brick. Can't hook it up to fucking internet, so it doesn't matter. PlayStation right. network's down. You know it's what? It's been hacked. So, yeah, I picked up a PlayStation 4 for Christmas, and after five days, you still couldn't connect to PlayStation network and, like, download. We got Shadows of Mordor and some cool games. Couldn't download the updates for the games. And I ended up finding a hack online to, like, change the MTU settings. Bam, worked immediately. Wow. It shouldn't be like, if you wanted to go through that, you'd buy a PC. Right, yeah. So I, I got to, you know, be a hacker to get into the network that I'm paying for. That's horseshit. That's total horseshit. Oh, but dude, you know what? You're absolutely right. Cable networks are totally full of shit. So, like, you know, as we do our annual HBO sojourn where we get, you know, Game of Thrones comes on and we buy HBO for a while. Then we cancel yeah. it. And so the last time we canceled it, we were talking to the Comcast guy, and he's like, is your DVR full? I said, yeah, most of the time it's pretty full. Well, you know, you can bring it in and upgrade for four times the size of, of a DVR. I'm like, well, that sounds pretty cool. The next time, you know, we go to get HBO or whatever, we'll do that. Well, over the holidays, our TV just up and died. Like, died. It was just done. That's the number one time time yeah, of the year for a TV to way. commit suicide. So, you know, on the one hand, shit, I got to buy a new TV. On the other hand, I get to buy a new TV. We hadn't had a <laughs> right. TV in like eight years. That's pretty cool. So we go and we get the TV, and I'm thinking, you know, at the same time, I'm going to take Comcast up on their offer to cash in my DVR and get a new DVR. 
So we go in and take in the box, and we're like, okay, yeah. I, when I spoke to the guy last time, he said that you guys have better boxes now. It's not going to cost a thing. It'll be four times the size. Well, no, that's not exactly right. What's your address? Oh, yeah, no, in your area, we would need to send out somebody to install the four times box. Like, really, why? How? What are you? Is he going to come out and do? It's all wired. There's no yeah, well, what, what is he going to do this different? Cable. I'm sorry, sir. We have to. It's the Xfinity Triple Play Reach Around needs a <laughs> special installation. Tri- I'm like, no. I tell you what, give me back my box. Well, we've got this other box that's twice as big. Yeah, fine. <laughs> 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 so, like, the whole thing was this jerk off to get you in the store and then do this, you know, bait and switch, which was totally fucking annoying, and that pissed me off. Yeah, trying to watch a little Netflix over the holidays since I do it through the Xbox and the Xbox Live network was also taken down for, you know, not as long as the uh, Sony network, but still down a couple of days. I was worried. I kind of saw that coming and I wanted to watch Netflix. We're watching. uh, We'll talk about what I'm watching later on in multimedia triage. But my way to get around that was I bought a Chromecast, one of those little $30 dongles from Google. Mm -hmm. That shit works great. Yeah? Yeah. I plugged that right into my receiver. You could plug it into a TV, but I plugged mine into the receiver so we could get all the bitchin' sound through the speakers. I went to Netflix on my phone and said, hey, I want to watch this. I'm going to shoot it over that little dongle over there. Shoot it Made that sound. Netflix, right on the TV. It was kick-ass. Worked like it was supposed to. My Yeah, you know what? I don't need that. My TV just does that shit. My TV plays Netflix. My TV plays Netflix, too, but it's a pain in the balls to get it to go the the way it's supposed to. Like, Netflix into the TV, but then the sound into the receiver, so then it goes out of the speakers. I'll that, spend the 30 that, bucks. That, my friends, why you have a sound bar. I do not have a sound bar. Is that like a salad bar? It's just right there. It's like, can I massage your feet while you're watching Netflix, sir? That's what my (laughs) TV does. You you were bragging for so long how much better your TV was than my TV, and now my My TV does not have a sound bar. I don't get a foot massage. (laughs) (laughs) All right, dude. Well, why don't we listen to a tune? Okay. This is from the 2007 album Xenosapien by Cephalic Carnage. Endless cycle of violence.
All right, once again, that was Endless Cycle of Violence from 2007. Xeno Sapien from Cephalic Carnage. And joining us now on the show, our longtime friend, Don Jet. We'll just call him Don Jet. How you doing, call man? Don yeah, sure. Don Jet. That's how I sign everything anyway. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Bone Bass Show, man. Thank you very much. I've been looking forward to talking to you guys for a long time on this show. As a matter of fact. It's so good to finally have you. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So, dude, I, I got to say, when I heard that you were involved in one of the major smoke shops in the state of Washington, we wanted to talk to you because, I mean, we've had liquor stores for a long time, but all of a sudden this whole new thing has suddenly become legal in our state. And so kind of the right. approach to it, to me, was really interesting. Now, how did you get involved? Well, you know, it's funny. Obviously, we, you know, we had the vote back in 14, and it made a lot of sense. I mean, people are smoking pot, whether it's legal or not. So, you know, why not vote to legalize it? Then it passed. Then one of the investors and I were joking around one day, and I was like, dude, let's throw our hat in the ring. Maybe uh, see if we can did make it Did you actually work. say dude? Uh, I did say dude, as a matter of fact. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I said dude or not. But anyway, um, the way that this all went, if anybody followed how we rolled out in Washington, was there was a lottery. And so you had to get all your shit together, financials and criminal background check and uh, find a location and you know lots of other stuff. And then... At that point, you were eligible to have your name thrown in the hat. Okay. All of our stuff uh, was lined up nice. Had a couple of deep pockets. Not mine, but uh, <laughs> there, there were a couple. We threw our name in the hat, and next thing we knew, yeah, we had uh, gotten approval from the state to go ahead and open up a recreational marijuana retail location. Now, that was and, like how many months before you could actually open your doors? Like nine months, something like that? No, no. That's part of the story, I guess, is that um, we knew we were we were going to be good to go in May okay. of, the, of uh, 2014. And we got licensed, uh, as in, like, you can open your doors on July 8th. Oh, that wow. quickly. So, wow. Wow is right. <laughs> And, you know, you want to be one of the first people open yeah, in something sure. that's exciting. Yeah, you want to make uh, it a habit. You know right, what so, yeah, I know what you're saying. We ultimately didn't open until the 11th, but that kind of didn't matter. There was only a, a few stores in the area anyway. Um, one other had opened on the 8th uh, to a lot of fanfare in town, and we just took a lower-key approach. You know, obviously, we put a ton of work in. I mean, you got to, you know, just starting a business from the ground up, especially when that business is selling a product that's, you know, there's no real precedent except for Colorado, and their structure is so different that it, we flew out there and checked it out like a lot of people did from Washington to Colorado. Yeah, you get some ideas, but it, the way that their tax structure and how they can get their product and, 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 and was completely different than out here. So, you know, we had to do all that in a really short amount of time, find staff and you know, get them hired and then start finding product and get a shop together. And yeah, it was a whirlwind. <laughs> wow. So I've been involved yep. with the opening of like several bookstores, but I can't imagine like what was opening day of your shop like? 
Was there a line around the block or like how did it? Did you go? have one of those like tube <laughs> men that you inflate and he, he flips his arms around? <laughs> no, we didn't need that. You know, one of the things in Washington is uh, you can't advertise except via the internet, which is great. You know, because the internet's plenty of advertising if you use it right. We got a web presence right away. And I'm not directly answering your question, but I, I'll get to it. We had a really great website built and got on Facebook right away, let people know what we were doing all the time. You know, we had people asking us questions before we were even open and found that if you actually answer customers, they're happy. Three days before opening, I might have slept about six hours <laughs> that whole time. And then the tenth, we had a, kind of a soft opening, you know, friends and family and vendors and media and then we all did what you should never do and that's we all went out and drank until two o'clock in the morning <laughs> oh perfect and then right right and then i opened the doors at i think it was eight or nine in the morning i came in a couple hours early like you do make sure everything's ready even though it can't possibly be because you have no fucking idea what's going to happen <laughs> there are people lined up you know there might have been 40 50 people there and then by the time we you know rolled the doors up and you know, let the first customers in. There's, I don't know, probably 300 people lined up. Wow. I mean, um, that's like the amount of people that show up for, like, the new Xbox, right? Outside Best Buy. <laughs> it's the same yeah, people, no, incidentally. Well, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a bunch of people, and they were all excited, and we had what we thought was uh, enough product on hand to last for, oh, I don't know, we calculated maybe we'd stay open for a couple weeks, and uh, it lasted for two days. Wow. So, oh, yeah, yeah, we went through, I don't know, it was like 30-ish pounds of weed over a weekend. <laughs> One gram at a time. <laughs> so, it was nuts. So, were you, was the, yeah. the clientele kind of what you expected? Like, people that looked like bikers and whatnot? Or was it soccer moms in every walk of life? Uh, you know what? That's And, and that's, this continues to this day. The people you expect to be at the store, you, you know, like if you didn't know any better the spicolis and freaking bikers and what have you mm -hmm. they, they're never in the shop they're still <laughs> either growing their own and they're getting it out on the black market and part of that's because of the price of it yeah but what we do get a lot of are you know suit and tie guys and grandmas and retirees and uh basically people with disposable income where they don't really care what it costs yeah. And that's not to say that, you know, you price it so that you don't get those other, you know, the the potheads, as it were. Well, they want to but, buy good stuff. They have the money to afford that. You know, they don't they want to go do through it. the hassle it's of trying legal. to find a guy. Yeah. yeah, they don't want to get, like, a knifed in the neck while they're just trying to buy some pot. Right, right, right. And I think it's less about that even than, um, you know, a huge chunk of our business is actually uh, tourism. And so even, like, somebody like me that's, lived here for a long time and has a guy or might, would know how to get a guy or whatever. If I flew to Denver, I don't know anybody there. Yeah. And if, uh, you know, if I'm paying five or eight dollars a gram for it at home and I land in Denver and I have to pay 15 a gram, say, you're going to do it because you don't want to go find a guy in downtown Denver. You, you don't know anybody. This stuff, you know you're, what you're getting. It's been tested. It's sealed. Uh, you get your couple grams and then you go skiing or whatever. Right. So that's a lot of what comes through the shop. Now, what you've got going on here really is a combination of two insane things. 
weed and retail. So uh-huh. surely you've had some sort of crazy, amusing customer service anecdote you can share. Has there been, has there been craziness in the store? I mean, there's craziness um, in the Taco Bell. <laughs> you know, not as much as you'd think. Um, it was like our first week or so, and um, it was just like, I actually asked her, how old are you? And she's like, 83. So this 83-year-old grandma in there, she's like, you know, I haven't done this since the 60s, and I want something so I can party all night. I'm like, <laughs> right on. That's like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll find something for you, but just know that marijuana typically isn't a party all night drug. And since ecstasy isn't legal yet, we're going to have to figure out something for you here. So you bought her a quadruple cappuccino. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, um, almost everybody's really friendly. As I was saying, everybody's uh, pretty well put together. I mean, we have a, sort of a base group that comes in and they snort around and too expensive and this and that and this weed sucks and like our Yelp reviews or yeah and this is if you check other shops I mean it's all the same whatever city you're in in Washington and you know it all comes back to price and those people can be kind of funny because you know you're trying to explain to them why things are the way they are and they just think that basically oh no you know we're, we've got a captive audience and we can charge whatever we want and we're just fucking people but they obviously haven't looked at how thin of a margin that almost all the stores are probably running on yeah well washington's weird yeah, that way uh, even i mean as you know like with liquor you know you'll go in yeah. and you'll see hey on sale this bottle of whiskey is 25 bucks and then you get to the counter and it's 35 because there's 10 bucks worth of tax that they don't have right. to like put on the label the sticker yeah. shock is is brutal yeah, 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 yeah. That's your Definitely. syntax here, I guess, yeah. I'm really glad that I don't have a hard alcohol thing, because <laughs> it, it'd go broke in the state drinking if you had to have a bottle of Jack every day. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, no, I mean, most of the stores, too, I mean, the price that you see on the menu is, that's just the price. You, you include the tax and the price, and, you know, what they see in the menu, or, you know, on the strain list is uh, what they pay when they get to the register, and... Most people are pretty cool with that. So for our listeners who live in Florida or Wales or wherever, uh, what is, like, on average, what is a grammar? On average, 25. Okay. It's been as high as, it's been ridiculous, you know. It's been upwards of 50 before, 50, 60 bucks a gram. But that was back in July, August, when there just wasn't any weed to be bought. And the few growers that had it were just raping people. And, you know, what do you do? Do you not buy it? So your, you know, part-time $10 an hour employees have to get, like, a third job or have to live on the street, or do you buy it? And the people come in and they complain, but they still they, they still actually buy the product and even keep the doors open. So you don't get the complaints so that, after the fact, like, oh, th- you promised me a full body high and it would taste like peaches. This sucks. I want my money back. <laughs> yeah. you get that kind of thing? Yeah, uh, yeah you know, we get a little of that, but that, that usually comes from um, the edibles. Oh, okay. um, so you guys do edibles? I got as a well. question about the edibles, uh, Dodger. Yeah. As far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, the edibles don't show the THC concentration on the label. Is that correct? Uh, in Washington? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do. Oh, they do. Yeah, they have to. Oh, okay. Yeah, you have you have to. Um, well, that's super the, cool. I don't think it's like that down here. I have I don't actually know for a fact, but I'm pretty sure down here it does not show the concentration. So you don't know if you take a bite, if you're like ingesting essentially an entire Mendocino plantation or, you know, just the stuff that's in somebody's ashtray. 
<laughs> right, right, right. No, no. Um, here it has to be listed in the uh, maximum dose that can be in a serving is uh, 10 milligrams of THC, which is probably a knee-jerk reaction on the Washington Liquor Control's part from some of the weird stuff that happened in Colorado when they first went live. You know, they had those 100 milligram peach rings and stuff like that, and kids were freaking eating them and freaking out. I mean, nobody died, but I guess one guy died, but it wasn't like from overdosing. It was because he got so high he decided to jump off or something, but who knows? <laughs> so here they made them pretty mild by comparison. I don't know how what the effect of them is. I haven't tried them yet, to be honest. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Some of the people, you know, customers and some of the staff have tried them and said that if you have a tolerance, I mean, we have a few people that, like, get it done. They smoke a lot of pot. Yeah. <laughs> you you know, so. not all the staff, but there's a few. They're like, oh, yeah, I ate it and got a kind of a buzz and carried on, but it didn't wreck me or anything. <laughs> Where I've had stuff out on the black market, you know, back in the day, not saying that I ever did anything like that, but there's a chance that I've had some stuff that was like, I shouldn't interact with people. I had to sit over in a corner and mind my own business for a couple hours while I kind of got my head around where I was for a little bit. And wow. these don't, you know, in this state, that doesn't happen to people. So. Yeah, yeah that may be for the best because it seems like, if nothing else, Americans, if it's good, we'll do it to excess. We'll make it as big and crazy as possible. Be it coffee or uh, cola. Or, well, uh, yeah, you know, and actually, it's funny that you had mentioned that I, I know not you so much, Steve, but Gordon to some extent. Like, it, it wasn't like we didn't smoke a little bit of weed back in the day. I mean, it's not like you knew a lot about pot, but it's like, oh, this is green. I smoked it and it got me high. And, you know, did it once in a while and it was fun. And, you know, as the years went on, I kept doing that. Now, having said all that, there was a bunch of learning involved in this. I mean, not just from the business aspect for me, but just what people do with pot. Wait, um, what do people do with pot? And this kind of speaks to what uh, you were talking about, about how Americans take cocaine. Coke wasn't strong enough, right? So Americans went ahead and were like, I'm not getting high enough off the Coke, so we're going to make crack. Right. Well, pot has kind of done the same thing. But but um, probably like in a Whole Foods way, right? They're cultivating well, like the best strains. Yeah, to some extent. And on the black market, what I'm going to say is the same sort of thing. They do it there, too. You know, you hear about people making hash, and they're blowing their houses up and stuff. Right, they're blowing their houses up. What the hell? <laughs> right. That's because one of the things that you can do, and this is one of the things I learned, is, uh, you know, they have dabs, they call it. So it's concentrates. So, you know, on the legal market, anyway, they take, like, the leaves, the shake, and they extract all the THC out of there into a condensed form. Depending on how they do it, you know, there's BHO and uh, CO2 extraction. BHO is the stuff that's blowing people's houses up because it's uh, using butane. But um, so they get all the THC out of there, and you go from back in the day, like really good pot that we would probably get down in the Emerald Triangle where we all grew up. It's probably like 15 to maybe 18, 19% THC in any given, you know, nug you threw in your pipe or pop can usually. But some of this stuff, uh, we just got some stuff the other day that's 91.2% THC. Good Christ. What? That's like, there's not enough plant in that plant to be a plant. <laughs> it's not a plant anymore now. It's oil or oh, wax. Like a, that's right. It's like a gooey, resiny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it looks a lot like uh, pine tree sap, sort of. Mm -hmm. So you take that and you put it in uh, a little vape pen, which is a lot like an e-cigarette. It's got a little coil in there, and that's how you, you know, burn it and smoke it, or... If you really into the dabbing, uh, 
they use a thing called an oil rig, which is a lot like a bong, and it has a nail, uh, and the nail, it, it's usually ceramic, uh, the cheaper ones are glass, so they're like glass, ceramic, or titanium. You heat that thing up with a butane torch, and then you drop the little dab of the concentrate on there, and then you smoke it like you're smoking a bong, and... That's Holy too complicated shit. for me. Holy crap. I could never be a decent stoner. <laughs> no, no, I know. But I guess what I'm getting at was, you know, people aren't just rolling joints anymore. They're yeah. making it super complicated and <laughs> they're not getting high enough anymore. So now, now we've got to do the concentrate. Everyone <laughs> wants to be Willie Nelson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or Snoop. Snoop, Snoop Dogg. So, yeah, right. So let's talk a little <laughs> bit about kind of the health aspects. Now, one of the things that people may not know about our good friend Donja is like, you're damn near a world-class athlete, and you're a guy who has always cared about his health and his lungs, and you've also spent some time in the medical field. So as sort of an expert on health, what is your thought on the effects of marijuana on a grown, healthy adult? Well, I would first say that, A, I am now not currently at the place that I run, um, and having said that, you know, the recreational market, you're not allowed to talk about the health benefits of or the medical benefits of marijuana at all. Like, that's oh, no, not bad. necessarily benefits, but the um No, 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 right. Yeah, more than detriments. I mean, you know, all. if somebody's scared, they, they've heard nothing but scare stories through the years. Mm -hmm. In my completely I am not a doctor opinion, you're better off smoking pot than you are cigarettes, for sure. I don't know that uh, it's all that horrible for you. That doesn't mean that I'm recommending, well, shit, look at Michael Phelps. He seems to be doing okay. He's a big pothead. You know, I mean, most decorated freaking Olympic athlete ever or something. Yeah, and, you know, he's a, he smokes a bunch of pot. But, you know, there's, going back to the dabs, there's also, like, different ways of consuming pot that I was unaware of, too. Vaping is one. You know, they have these little contraptions now that are super easy to use. You just grind up the bud, throw it in there, and when you... uh turn it on, it burns the THC and the terpenes and CBDs, and it, it burns all that off without actually lighting the pot itself. So For you're us, not, you're not they, subjected to they, the, the burning yeah. carcinogens that would go into your lungs? No, no, you're not doing that at all. You know, we've all done or seen that, you know, you take a big, huge bong hit, and there's a cloud of smoke, and you cough for like 20 hours, and then you're high. Well, you know, the, all that coughing and stuff is because you're actually combusting the plant matter itself. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're getting the THC, but you're wasting a lot of it, too. Where if you vape it, you're just getting the THC. Mm. And matter of fact, a really good vaporizer, when you exhale, there's no... Maybe you have a little bit of vapor, sometimes none. You could probably smoke it in a... Somebody in a car with you, and they wouldn't be able to tell that you were smoking pot, except that, like, when you open a bag, it would smell. You're not trying to... You know, there's no, there's no smoke or anything. <laughs> yeah, right. I saw somebody came in in full uniform today from a company that I know doesn't allow marijuana smoking. I was like, wow, dude. You didn't like even just take the shirt and the hat off, huh? You had to come in here just like I thought you were bringing us a, a thing. You, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it, it, I was like, wow. All right. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not judging. It's just. <laughs> you know, be a little discreet, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, no, um, the, I, I think that there's definitely more uh, benefit to marijuana than there is harm, A. 
and not speaking just recreationally, but I think what's exciting in the long term for um, people in general is that now that we're selling it recreationally here and in Colorado, and then it's going to be Oregon and Alaska, and I suspect California in 2016 and a couple other states, is uh, that'll hopefully put some pressure on the feds to finally pull it off so that it can be studied because there's, you know, we've all heard the stories about it. You know, you cook down the oil and the kids don't have seizures and baby shrinks cancer tumors and, and, and we just don't know enough about it because it hasn't been allowed to be studied. Mm -hmm. You know, and you can point your finger at big pharma and all this. I don't know if that's where, where it really, you know, started. Actually, I know where it really started, but that's for another thing. Um, It'll be exciting to get this stuff in the hands of people, you know, scientists that can uh, figure out what parts of that plant are, you know, maybe going to help people get them off of narcotics and benzos and all these other things that people take to get to their systems. And, you know, this is something that just grows out of the ground and maybe just smoking it will be all you need. Who knows? Well, it's now, interesting. As a teenager, we don't I was told that if I smoked enough marijuana, I would grow breasts like a woman. Who told you that? I'd also go mad. I think it was in our one of our health classes. They, they said, yeah, that's a thing that happens, you know. Yeah, uh, but what? Shit, that was like 1983 <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I'm beginning to think that maybe, now stay with me here, maybe there wasn't any scientific data to back that claim up. Just yeah, throwing out. There was, yeah, there was fuck all for scientific data to back any of that up. <laughs> 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 you, you know, it really... I, I, do, uh, let, let me put it this way. If that was indeed the case, man, I'd have double D breasts right now. <laughs> I was hoping. <laughs> yeah, all that old silly, you know, the dare stuff and, you know, focus Nancy on something. That's the other nice thing. Yeah, yeah. Let, you know, let's focus on things that are, you know, really ruining people's lives. Meth and heroin and alcohol, for that matter, as I sit out in front of the 7-Eleven about to walk in and buy a beer. Um <laughs> I'll have you know I'm but, drinking ginger ale right now. <laughs> Actually, I'm drinking ginger ale as well, too. Yeah, I, I think overall it's exciting stuff. Well, yeah, it's it's weird because even in our little town here, the laws are such, you know, it can't be within so many feet of a school or area where kids uh, play or whatever. So basically uh -huh. no shop has opened in the city I live in. Well, yeah, that's basically, right. they haven't, have they? No, and the city council just basically put the kibosh on it and said, oh, well, we're, we're going to table this for six months or a year and see what mm -hmm. happens in other communities. So so it's interesting to see. I know that there are, there are shops supposedly in neighboring areas, but not really here. So it's kind of right. interesting to hear your experiences and your stories. So I really appreciate you joining us on the show. Oh, yeah, I, I enjoyed being on the show. Yeah, that whole thing with the moratoriums and stuff, that's pretty fascinating to all of us, too. You know, like, oh, my God, you know, marijuana shop's going to pop up here, and, you know, the whole town's just going to, you know, turn into Detroit. And, I mean, I don't know. I haven't been to Detroit. It's going to be breaking bad. I, I, right it's not a nice, an interesting kind of thing about where our shop is located, the businesses that surround it, it it's not in a horrible part of town, but it's not in the best part of town either. And, you know, there's some crime and some transience and this and that going on where we're located. And since we've been in there, the crime has dropped. The transients aren't really hanging around anymore. And all the businesses are busier as maybe as a result of us being there. Wow. So, you know, that's kind of cool. So it's and the we gift that keeps on giving. 
<laughs> I mean, it's just the way it sort of worked out. Yeah. You know, we had no idea whether they were going to like us being there or not, but uh, kind of worked out for most everybody. Cool. That's great. Well, uh, we wish you continued success in, in your venture. Thank you. Um, I think we got one final question for you, and that's sure. something we ask everybody that's on the Bone Bad Show. Okay. Donja, what pisses you off? What pisses me off? You know, you'd think I'd have, a, like, an immediate reaction to that. Yeah, the, no, the having no news since I was... fucking government, and not because of the shop. Just in general. The fucking... I'm an independent. Mostly because I think everybody sucks. <laughs> get, get, you know, get some shit done. What did they get accomplished this week? Like, they tried to repeal Obamacare. Yeah, they uh, do that every week. Through, and then they threw something in there about, like, they were going to stop abortion. And there was some other, like, ridiculous... Like, Really, you guys don't have other more pressing things to like get on with than just nothing. Yeah, no, that that, that shit pisses me off, and I know it pisses you guys off too because you talked about it. <laughs> You've heard the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us, man. It's been an absolute pleasure, and this was probably one of the most informative interviews we've ever had on the show, which is fantastic. Yeah, we need to balance this. Like, maybe next show we'll just interview Steve's left nut. Learning and growing. We... I'd, listen, I'd listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a pleasure being on. Definitely. And uh, you guys are doing some kick-ass stuff. Well, thanks, man. Enjoy listening to you guys. So, really appreciate you having me on here. All right, well, why don't we check out another tune from Cephalic Carnage. This is a, a Paratunes from their... 2002 Lucid Interval album Black Metal Sabbath and Cannibism Faster and faster and then you'd burst into fire forever and the angels wouldn't help you Cause they've all gone away.
Once again, that was Cephalic Carnage with Black Metal Sabbath slash Cannabism from the album Lucid Interval. I think one of my favorites. That album was released in 2002 on Relapse Records. Great stuff. Thanks again to John for the interview. So, dude, how about a little weird shit? How about a little weird shit? Casting our gaze across the pond to Dublin, Ireland. I guess there is a bit of a controversy over there it being a good god-fearing nation about um whether or not gay people should be allowed to to get married and there was a leaflet that was making the rounds that asked the question in great and i saw this leaflet it is amazing the leaflet went around and it said in great big letters should children be exposed to the sounds of sodomy (laughs) (laughs) and there's a picture of these like Two little kids, like, with blonde hair and big blue eyes looking like they're they're hurt, and they're next to this big red lampshade, which is inexplicably in the picture. Maybe they do sodomy differently in Ireland, and it involves a red lampshade. I don't know. It's like the RCA dog. <laughs> the sound of his own sodomy. <laughs> his master's taint. His ma- <laughs> So I don't exactly know how they how they record sodomy over there, but it's clearly harmful to children. There there was a tweet that went around that said uh, sounds of sodomy have been recorded in the Dublin area at over 130 decibels could cause permanent hearing damage. <laughs> it did remind me a lot of that old Simon and Garfunkel song though, sounds of sodomy. <laughs> and the, the first line incidentally is "Hello darkness, my old friend." I've come to bugger you again. <laughs> Someone else pointed out that uh, it may be that song, uh, The Hills Are Alive. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I don't know what the That's hell's the going on thought. over there, Dublin, but uh, A, let your gay people get married, it's fine, and B, <laughs> Sounds of Sodomy, please. You know that there are punk bands in Dublin already working on that. <laughs> Like naming themselves that, naming an album that, or, yeah, or making a song, a song that is right? nothing a but that. Three-minute song of the sounds of sodomy. We call this one the sounds of sodomy. I'm not quite sure why I'm doing this accent. What's the revolt? Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> it was either that or my Indian accent. So. <laughs> You've only got the two. Those are the two. All right. Well, why don't we listen to uh, another tune from Cephalic Carnage? Speaking of sodomy, this is Abraxas of Filth.
right. Once again, that was a Braxis of Filth from Misled by Certainty, uh, the latest Cephalic Carnage release. And joining us now on the show is John Merriman, drummer for that very group. How you doing, man? I'm very well. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I'm thrilled, personally, since you're here. It's, it's really cool to have a chance to talk to you. Of course, no problem. <laughs> so I appreciate I re- the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. So I remember the first time that that I was introduced to your music. My friend Jorge, who is the guitarist for Barefoot Barnacle here in Seattle. I used to work with him, and he gave me a stack of CDs. And it had to be around 2005, because it was right around the time Anomalies came out. And uh, the first thing I put into my CD player was exploiting dysfunction. And immediately just, what the fuck was that? And I I, I couldn't remember a a CD that that I was so taken aback by, both from a, wow, I totally dig that, and I can't get my head wrapped around how to even ingest it yet, was uh, Giant Steps by John Coltrane. That was the, the other time I remember just being like, wow, that was amazing and what the fuck. And, and you guys bring that to the table as well. Now, what were you guys listening to at the time that kind of formed your musical worldview? Uh, when we did Exploiting, Mr. Bungle was definitely in the mix quite a bit. I think we were all exploring other styles of music besides metal. Mm-hmm. So it just brought in a lot of inspiration from different genres and different scenes and kind of broadened everybody's mind and opened up a lot of doorways as far as take a different approach and trying about you know with what we wanted to do with metal that was kind of the time that there was a little bit of a resurgence in the death metal scene so you know it was nice for us to just i don't know try to bring a little bit of different style to it i had kind of grown up with listening to judas priest and maiden and metallica later and stuff like that and so this was definitely something new for me and i, I really dug that and around that time, there weren't too many bands who were kind of doing a similar sort of thing, were there? I mean, maybe Dillinger Escape Plan was kind of around the same time you guys were getting this rolling? Yeah, Dillinger, Candiria was a big influence. Human Remains was, you know, a little bit before that, and they were a huge influence as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, we were just trying to do something original that we were all inspired by, and that's, like I said, pretty much just brought every style of music to the table, you know, besides metal. Metal was the least that we listened to at that time. Uh-huh. So that's, that's kind of when I discovered more fusion jazz and kind of into Bungle. Our guitar player at the time, Zach, has always been a huge Bungle fan. So, of course, mm-hmm. that was... I think Bungle kind of wraps it up as one of the number one influences around that time for the band just because yeah. they encompassed every style of music and what they did as well. Absolutely. One of the things that I think is a recurring theme in music that, that Gordon and I dig is a sense of humor. And you, you guys have brought that from day one. And, you know, whether the band is bluegrass or it's nerdcore rap or whatever the hell kind of music I'm digging on, if it's got a sense of humor to it, I'm going to find it that much more appealing. And I remember hearing uh, Black Metal Sabbath the first time and just stopping. Did they just quote Kenny Rogers? What the fuck? That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Black Metal Sabbath was definitely a little poke at the Black Metal scene for just how serious they were about everything. Yeah, sure. We never took ourselves that seriously i mean i think anthrax a quote from them a long time ago was it sums it up the best for us it's all like it's we take what we do very seriously we just don't take ourselves very seriously you know <laughs> right. well in that very song you end the song with what i consider probably one of the top 10 greatest riffs in metal that closing <laughs> riff it just fucking wrecks it is brilliant i love that tune so much awesome that was actually written in the studio was the it last riff was <laughs> So it wasn't something that you guys had uh, yeah. on a tape player or something for months? When ahead. we demoed it out, 
we uh, we recorded Halls of Menti and demoed out stuff we had ready for Lucid, and that was one of the tracks. And uh, we had a totally different riff. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then listening to it uh, on the demoed version, we decided to change it, and I think that kind of came together a lot closer to the recording time and in the studio. Now, Halls of Menti, talk a little bit about that one. Now, that is a, a kind of a long single cut, right? About 19 minutes long. I think the version I have is on a clear CD. It's pretty badass looking. Yeah, we saw, uh, I think it was one of the Crisis, Crisis Crucifixion CDs that uh, Willow Tip had put out that was the mini disc, but in a full disc format. We thought it was really cool, and the idea of doing a 19-minute long song. Right before that, we did our split with Anal Blast, and that was like 21 songs in 17 minutes, and it was a lot of humor-based, <laughs> just ridiculousness. Very light-hearted approach to grindcore, and we wanted something that was completely opposite to follow up and something like Neurosis or Isis was probably the least expected release from Cephalic at that time. So oh, sure, yeah. It's 19 minutes on the dot, which is the whole full the length of that disc. And it's supposed to be the first part of a trilogy. We'll see if we ever get around to doing part two and three. <laughs> so Lucid Interval came out then shortly after that? Or yeah, what? exploiting and then the anal blast split. Well, recording-wise, it was exploiting the anal blast split, all the Menti, and then Lucid Interval. Unfortunately, the timing around everything is it all kind of hit at once, mm-hmm. like the you know, last split, um, Lucid. Oh, just kind of dealing with different and, labels and stuff like that? Yeah, we were dealing with three different labels on that, and timing on certain things just got backed up. It was supposed to be like once every six months something would come out. Sure. Of course, that never happened. <laughs> and the uh, anal blast split. Now, you can get the second half of that on the Conforming to Abnormality re-release, right, from Relapse. It came out in 2008? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's on there. Nice. I think there's only like six or 7,000 of the original copies of those out there. <laughs> so for those of our listeners who decide they want to collect them all, there you go. So then I, yeah. I guess uh, after so 2002, you guys did quite a bit of touring, right? And then uh, Anomalies was in 2005. Is that about right? I guess. <laughs> that's a ways back. <laughs> Sounds right. After uh, Lucid Interval came out, we spent about two years pretty solid touring and then spent about a year putting Anomalies together. And then anomalies. And anomalies was a whole different approach for us because we had toured with so many different bands from every spectrum of the genre that we were kind of influenced to do songs in those directions. So that's why Anomalies isn't so scattered. It's Well, it is scattered. It's, it's you know, each song is kind of one style of music that yeah. we were going for. I know what you mean, but though it's maybe a little more straight up metal than uh, yeah. either of the discs that preceded or succeeded it, I think. Yeah, and that was the goal in writing. It was just taking all the inspiration from all the bands that we had toured with and concentrating, you know, this energy on this song and this energy on this song. When in the past, we'd have done the approach where it was to mix as many things together as in one as we could, you know? Uh-huh. After that, did you feel like you had kind of, you had kind of done that? You had explored each style as much as you could? And so with 2007's Xeno Sapien, you sort of went more organic and that was more pure cephalic? It, for that time, yeah. I mean, when we did Conforming and Exploiting Dysfunction, those were all pre-written songs that the band just had. Oh, okay. You know, when we finished recording Exploiting Dysfunction, we were out of material. So when we started working on Lucid Interval, that was a whole, okay, we have to write an entire album. And mm-hmm. every album was that phase and that mindset going into it. Lucid was kind of a package. If you look at the cover, there's like 150 different images on the cover artwork, and they all <laughs> pertain to some of the different tracks. doesn't necessarily all go together create one story, but all of it kind of goes together in one way or another, I guess. Okay. 
Yeah, and then Zeno, that was just another get done with another two-year touring cycle and take a few months off and get back together and see what we were inspired to do. Yeah, well, you guys were touring shortly after that because I, I saw you guys with uh, the Summer Slaughter Tour when, at Studio 7 when you guys came to town here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was an amazing show. I, I reviewed it on the website, and I was just mind-blown by the energy and excitement and raw power that you guys displayed that night. It was pretty incredible. Thank you. And that room was hot as fuck. We always try to bring Holy that to cow. the live shows. <laughs> that was such a hot... Do you remember that if night? We can. The, the place was yeah, like overbooked, and they had to kick people out who had like paid because they had oversold the show. Yeah. And it was hotter than hell in there. And you guys just wrecked it anyway, so that, that was pretty spectacular. There were a lot of hot shows on that tour. <laughs> the summer of 2007. We've done, we've done a lot of tours like that, so... <laughs> So then, in uh, Misled by Certainty, your uh, latest release came out in 2010. Uh, what was the approach putting that one together? Well, we had almost an entire album's worth of material that Zach and I had written, and he left the band a few weeks before we were supposed to actually record. So that was kind of a sharp left turn for us. Oh, holy shit! I don't yeah, think I we realized got, we got that Brian, it was kind of that new sudden. guitar player, newest, you know, newer guitar player in the band, and that's a uh, Brian Hop. Right? Uh, yeah. And, I mean, we started from scratch with writing that album and wanted to make a little bit of a different expression. You know, like, Zach had written a lot of material for Zeno, and for the album that we were supposed to record, he had written a lot of material, so everybody contributed equally, I think, with Misled. So mm-hmm. I think it came out as a little bit of a different package. I think it's a little more straightforward of an album. Mm-hmm. Do you like that but, direction better, being, you know, more of a team effort as opposed to one person kind of driving things? Yeah, I mean, you know, one person can write one riff, but everybody as a band puts the collaboration together for the entire song, so everybody contributes. But oh, okay. With that one, I mean, Leonard had written a song or two, Nick had written a couple songs, Brian had written a couple songs, you know, Steve had a couple, and then we kind of collaborated as a band to write all the riffs for a few of the songs as well. And we actually just started writing the new album. That's where I just came from, was band practice, so. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, I, I tell you. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll see. I can't wait to see what you have next because, again, what you have in common with bands I dig, like a band like Butthole Surfers, you go to the record store, you pick up the new Butthole Surfers, you don't know what the fuck you're going to get. And I love that about mm-hmm. Cephalic Carnage, too, that I'm along for the roller coaster ride of whatever it is. I'm going to pick it up, put it in my headphones, and just enjoy the shit out of it. So I'm behind you guys 100%, and I can't wait to hear what you have next. Cool. That's awesome. We try to keep it that way as much as we can. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, got, it has to keep it interesting for you, you know, if you, if you were the type of band that, okay, we're going to go out and st- stroll out our hits. This is vibrant and alive and, and definitely a, an approach that is exciting. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, now I know that you guys, from some of your song titles, like Kill for Weed and a number of different cuts, that you guys are kind of a green-friendly band. And being that this is our weed-isode and you guys are from Colorado, I wanted to ask you, how have things changed there since the uh, legalization of marijuana in the state of Colorado? Well, our state revenue has definitely gone up. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of national attention, that's for sure, both good and bad. It could become more of a touristy spot, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's what uh, our uh, friend Donja was saying. No, absolutely. I think when most people come here, they at least want to visit a, a pot shop, you know, just to see what it's like, whether they purchase or partake or not. But now, as it's become a, an attraction. Sure. Now, as a touring band, have you found that kind of, is it loosening up across the nation, or are there still some states where you just would not want to be caught with pot? Oh, there's definitely some states 
where you don't want to be caught. I mean, <laughs> most of our surrounding states, if you have a Colorado plate, you're going to get pulled over. Really? They're definitely looking for marijuana. Oh, yeah, big time. Huh. Um, but there's definitely zero tolerance states out there. Arkansas is one. We went through an ordeal right before exploiting came out, and we're lucky not to be in jail for a long time. Wow. And, yeah, there's different spots. I think as some of them are loosening up and embracing it a little more, other ones are staying steadfast on their belief that it's, you know, one of the worst things you could possibly, you know, have in your possession or use as any kind of recreational tool. Yeah. So. Well, it'll be interesting to see if the federal government kind of changes its views on things as, you know, Oregon just legalized. California is probably coming. And as, you know, more states kind of embrace that thought that, hey, it's not the most terrible thing in the world, that maybe that'll finally move the dime. It's definitely going in that direction. You know, the medical movement helped quite a bit. And I know people that have never smoked before and really weren't, you know, they were pretty negative about marijuana. They've gone through some medical issues and embraced it because it did help them so much. Like I think that's definitely opened the doorways to kind of brighten the horizon and open people's eyes the positive side of marijuana it's not necessarily such a gateway drug especially if you don't have to go to a dealer to get it yeah you know? absolutely and usually I think the that, other drugs the dealers are pushing to the dealers the gateway but yeah and if you look at our generation where we were all brought up with just say no and nancy reagan telling you that shit like that'll kill you you know there's mm-hmm. a lot of, i think a fear of the unknown for a lot of people and when they realize that you know it's not that much different than beer and a lot in a lot of ways it's better no, for sure. Yeah, so so just kind of that familiarity and it becoming more normal, I think, is probably a good thing for all of us. And the kind of decriminalization of it as well. No, definitely. The decriminalization is huge. I think there's a lot of people that have been prosecuted for marijuana possession and thrown in jail with a lot of you know rapists and killers and a lot of scenarios and with a lot of people that turn them into criminals and kind of ruin their lives. Getting away from that's a good aspect alone. Plus the revenue that's saved by the states and the country as well just not having to house the prosecuted for marijuana no uh, after it costs a, more for a person to be in prison for a year than some people make in a year so yeah, that's ab- pretty sad absolutely now it, you guys have had it for a couple of years now so are do the stores seem to be fairly healthy i know that here the taxes are quite a bit stiffer the excise taxes uh than they are in the state of colorado so i know that some people are worried when uh Things come around in April and that tax bill becomes due that uh, a number of stores in the state of Washington may go out of business. I don't think there's problems here. The, the number one problem has just been them dealing with their cash and paying bills. Mm-hmm. The banks don't want to touch that money because oh, it's still yeah. federal crime. Yeah, sure. So that's the biggest issue. Some of these shops are pulling in 10 to 20 grand a day and they've got nothing to do with the cash and they can't pay all their bills with cash. I think that's the number one problem, but they're they're finding ways around it. It's striving. You know, the the medical is still cheap. The recreational is definitely taxed quite a bit, but comes with the territory with that, I think, and most people are fine with it. Well, it's definitely interesting. It's a brave new world that we're entering. It is. I think all around. (laughs) All right, man. Well, uh, before we go here, one last question. We always like to ask all our guests on the Bone Bat Show, Sean, what pisses you off? I'm going to just say ignorant people as a whole. That's that's pretty (laughs) much one of my number one pet peeves. Absolutely. Overall ignorance in any in any shape or form. Awesome. Well, tell us about this next cut. Uh, it's the Incorrigible Flame. It's the first track off Misled, and I believe it was one of the first songs that we really started working on and completed for this album. One that got looked over that never really got played live very much, but it's still one of my favorites to play. Would you have to relearn it, or do you know it well enough to just take it live on the next tour? 
I'd have to refresh for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like that with just about anything. So. All right, man. Well, thank you again for joining us on the show. Very much appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you. And here it is, the incorrigible flame.
This is Josh with Cephalic Carnage. You're listening to The Bone Bat Show. Keep it brutal. Smoke and grind. All right, once again, that was Cephalic Carnage with The Incorrigible Flame. From Misled by Certainty, 2010. Pick it up now at cephalic-carnage.com or finer record stores near you. Multimedia triage. The triage. I like the triage because I like talking about cool stuff. Yeah, me too. Hey, I saw I saw this big old movie. Did you see this one? The Super Smash Brothers Hobbit Five Army Melee? <laughs> I did. That's, you know, Lord. I came out of that movie. Now, I thoroughly enjoyed all of the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films. But this was the first one where I came out and was like, God damn, that was a lot of battling. <laughs> <laughs> you saw that shit in IMAX? That was like, oh. I was I was winded. <laughs> did you walk out and like put your hands on your knees and just breathe deeply yeah i was just kind of wheezing and yeah huh. that was quite a battle and that's all it was there was not very much plot to get in the way of that movie no damn little <laughs> my lord a plot point that's it <laughs> you're done move along axe axe to the head here's one thing though i don't want to get too spoilery but Say I killed a giant orc in the middle of a slab of ice. I'm yes. hot footing that shit off of the icy river, <laughs> and I'm gonna lay on the bank and wheeze and breathe. That's where I'm gonna get right. I'm not gonna do it there on the ice after yeah. the battle of my life. Just saying. I'm right there with you. <laughs> if I kill something on the ice, I'm immediately leaving the ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that goes for hockey or orc battles. One thing I, I truly loved about this movie is I like it when you see something you've never seen before. And in this movie, we got to see kings on armored war pigs, war mountain goats, and I, a war, what was that, moose that yeah, the elf I, was riding? No, yeah, with a little, it was like a giant reindeer, wasn't it? Was it was like a reindeer moose it combination. It was like blitzing on steroids. Yeah, he was blitzing, clearly. Yeah, he was blitzing, man. Yeah, wow. But yeah, so, good, great film. Total great eye film. candy. Exciting. But yeah, ultimately I was weary. <laughs> when, when it was over, it was kind of like, okay, I'm glad that's done. I did fear that it was going to have that seven different levels of ending, like yeah. like the original yeah. Lord of the Rings. It did not drag it out, but I'm sure there's an extended director's cut that will have exactly that, which will be Bill Blow like every step on the way back to Hobbiton. <laughs> Uh, you know, I saw another great movie, and I realize we're supposed to be talking about independent films and whatnot, but goddammit, it's our podcast, so we'll talk about whatever we want. We I saw Birdman. So how was Birdman, man? It won a bunch of Golden Globes the other night. Did it? Yeah. That movie, I expected it to be kind of a quiet, funny, maybe a little sad movie. I was truly not prepared for how fucking kick-ass that movie was going to be so what is it, was, it about it was shot as if it was one unbroken shot okay the whole movie so uh, you know obviously it wasn't one unbroken shot but there were times when you're going oh my god how long is this shot where the camera is following <laughs> someone and following someone and following the action and you're just like dang what was great was it was just film porn great camera work great acting it was just really, really a ball to watch. 
you should see it. You should what check it, it out about? if you like what, movies. Give us a synopsis. I'm like the worst movie reviewer because I don't want to spoil anything, so I don't even tell you what the movie's yeah, about. but you can set that shit up a little bit. Come on. Here's the setup. Michael Keaton, he was, in his prime, Birdman, which was, he's essentially Batman. He was a great big action hero in a costume, made giant piles of money, his face was on everything, and then he stepped out of the limelight to enjoy his money. Now, he stepped back in years later, where he's almost a novelty, and he's trying to do a serious Broadway show. So there's a lot of interest because... A lot of people just want to watch the train wreck that is surely going to come from this guy trying to do something serious on Broadway. Mm. And his daughter is involved, his ex-wife is involved, he's got a girlfriend, there's all the weirdness between the actors. Ed Norton is this completely arrogant, it's all about the process, it's all about what happens on the stage kind of actor who's impossible to deal with, but he's amazing on the stage. And... It's, it's just the story of him going from almost open to opening night and everything that he goes through putting on this play. You know, you just got to see it. Okay, cool. You just got to see it. Uh, what about you? You see any other movies besides uh, Super Smash Brothers, Hobbit Melee? Jeez, did you see any other movies? I, I haven't seen any other movies. We've been watching a lot of TV catching up on stuff you recommended saw black mirror in its entirety fantastic <laughs> yes. series cannot recommend it enough although i am surprised that in your description of the show that you didn't once mention the words pig fucking because <laughs> this seems like that kind of show frankly but it's yeah. a great series thought-provoking you know in a day and age where everything we do is so wrapped up in technology it is just really a wonderful look and a thought-provoking look at all the things that we do in our lives. And I find myself kind of, you know, thinking back about that show a lot, which is really great. And the, the other one is Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Dude, Peaky Blinders. Stupidest, stupidest name for a series ever, isn't it? But great show. I mean, Killian Murphy is riveting to watch. And His one facial expression works in this. Yeah. Frankly, it's like Downton Abbey came on and I would rather watch Peaky Blinders. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because there's, there's almost no killing. There's almost no killing in Downton Abbey. Which, you know. Precious little uh, bar fights and razor blades to the face. Yeah, in almost Abbey. none. Right. So uh, yeah. definitely check out Peaky Blinders. It's available now on Netflix. Uh, two seasons of it, and it's pretty great. You know, I watched uh, the Marco Polo series on Netflix. You Marco Polo. <laughs> it's not to be confused with Marco Polio, which was a. That's not thing. funny at all. What's no. wrong with you? You're a bad Nothing. Person. I got the vaccine. <laughs> nice. Save. Thank you. Yeah, really, I think the series should be called Kubla Khan because it's much more about Kubla Khan's court with uh, Marco Polo in there. And I don't know all that much about Marco Polo's story besides he got spaghetti in China and took it to Europe. Pretty sure there wasn't. He brought the volleyball much... to the swimming pools, right? Yeah, that's right. He he brought it from the swimming pool to Europe. <laughs> I don't know. You're not funny. I'm sorry. Yeah, you are. Sorry. I apologize to all our listeners. Man. No, there's a there's a lot of swordplay in this. If you like swordplay, and if, if you sword like swordplay, do you mean swordplay? No, I don't mean that. <laughs> what is wrong with you? You don't have the vaccine. Yeah, swordplay, uh, naked women, and at least in one point, swordplay. And naked women at the same time. Well, so there you are. It's a pretty fun thing to watch. Cool. All of the above. 
I feel like if you're trying to get some sort of historically accurate sense of the time, you're not going to get that at all. Don't go for that. <laughs> right, I've been reading a book lately, Hawk by Stephen Bruce, which is the, I don't know, 111st Taltos fantasy tale. In this one, the uh, once assassin is now trying to clear his name from the price on his head by the uh, underworld overlords that are out to kill him. And uh, once again, it's got a lot of kind of fun dialogue amongst the characters that you know and love if you're reading the series. Stephen Bruce is in fine form, and uh, I'm absolutely having a great time with this book. So I would say check it out. God, you're like me in the Horus Heresy books. Oh, yeah, and by the way, I read two more Horus Heresy books. Not even going to talk about them. They're good. But, you know, if you're not reading them by now, you're 28 books into the series. You're not going to start. And speaking of things we've talked about to death, Borderlands the prequel, but you and I played the new downloadable content, the Borderlands Holodome together. We got buggered by the Holodome, and it sent us squealing (laughs) out of the Holodome into another part of that game. That game kicked our ass so hard and so long. Oh, my God. It was just an exercise of me trying to pick your guts up off the floor. I haven't seen anything just, that brutal. Then Remember that time we tried to fight that great big Thresher Maw at the end of Borderlands yes. 2? And it was like you're supposed to go through the whole game and then come through the game again and have a certain kind of weapon to fight this monster. And it just be like twice the, level the we are. floor with us. In like three minute segments repeatedly to where we were just like, why are we doing this? And we ended up playing something else. We switched to another level because it was just too much. We couldn't handle it. Yeah, it, it was not actually any fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, once once I get my level up, maybe we'll, we'll revisit that again. You know, it is fun. Shadows of Mordor. I sort of mentioned it earlier. That game's a kick in the ass. Yeah. Or, or a knife I'm in an orc's head, really, because you do a lot of knifing orcs from behind. It's kind of a stealthy game. What it is is it's Arkham Asylum in Mordor is basically what it is. You run around and you are a, uh, a ranger that is sort of possessed by a ringwraith, and uh, you're trying to get to the story behind why your family was murdered by one of Sauron's evil wizards. And the game's great, totally fun. Having a great time with it. Right on. And for the record, I was able to play several levels of Holodome by myself without having to uh, pick anybody's guts <laughs> without off. Without having me dragging you down like the cannon right. that I am. That's right. <laughs> oh, but I used my level 31 player. <laughs> All right, Not the man. level 12 I was playing with you with. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we listen to one last tune real quick before we do our thank yous. Uh, one more from Cephalic Carnage from the... 1998 release conforming to abnormality by way of the 2008 reissue on relapse. This is Extreme of Paranoia.
listen. All right, once again, that was Extreme of Paranoia, taken from Cephalic Carnages Conforming to Abnormality from 1998. Thank you again to Cephalic Carnage for the really trippy, awesome, cool music. I know this isn't one of the easier listens we've brought to the Bone Bat listeners, but uh, I hope you could find something in there that you can dig. Uh, it took me a while. Like I mentioned in the interview, the first time I heard this, it reminded me of kind of like uh, Giant Steps by John Coltrane. You just were like, what the fuck was that? And then the more you listen to it, you get into the nuances of it and all the strangeness and the humor and everything that's going on. That To me, it becomes a really worthwhile listen and a bastion of my iPod that I go back to a lot. So It's a balanced part of any stoner's breakfast. <laughs> I hope that you dig it. All right, once again, thank yous. I'd like to thank John Merriman for his time, as well as our good friend Donja. It's been far too long since we spoke with him, and uh, I'm glad he could join us on the show and tell us all about his experiences. Uh, <clears throat> our usual bullshit. You can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com. Got new content on bonehand.com infrequently. It's also the home of the heavy half hour. Mightywombat.com is where you can find my cartoons, my occasional blog post, and you can find far, far more stuff from us at our Facebook page, mightywombat.com. Spell out the dot on Facebook. And then, of course... There is the, what are we on uh, on Facebook? The Bone Bat Show. <laughs> I don't even know. I think yeah, search for Bone Bat, you'll find it. You can't yeah. miss it. And uh, it's right. a great place to keep track of what's going on with the Bone Bat Film Festival, April 25th, 2015, at Central Cinema in Seattle, Washington. I hope you can join us. And Twitter. There's the Twitter thing. People still apparently do Twitter, and I'm Mighty underscore Wombat on Twitter. Forgot to mention that. I am Bonehand on Twitter. We also have a Bonebat Twitter feed. That's about what we got. Thank you very much for listening. And if you like what we do, please tell a friend. Please tell a friend. Our final tune tonight from Cephalic Carnage from the 2005 release Anomalies. This is the appropriately titled Kill for Weed. Once again, thank you for listening. I am Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. I do have a good one.
Let's rock this motherfucker. Still terrible.